Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Well, it's great to see you all today. It's just two weeks till Christmas, and we've been preparing to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Our series has been called The Gifts of Christmas. We're looking back at that first Christmas story and the three different gifts that the Magi or the wise men brought to worship Jesus. So when you think about that first Christmas story, maybe a typical manger scene like this comes to mind. However you imagine that scene and that story, central in the story are the wise men or the Magi. These Magi visited sometime in the first couple of years of Jesus' life. Now, there could have been many more than three Magi, but we just know there were three gifts. Matthew's Gospel captures it like this. This is how the earliest accounts capture this slice of history from our uh, readings earlier. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped Jesus. They opened their treasure chests and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Those are very unusual gifts for a baby. Very unusual gifts. You probably heard the joke, what would it have been if three wise women rocked up? Well, they'd have probably asked for directions, uh, they'd have arrived on time, they'd have brought a meal and some practical presents. (laughs) So is this what happens when you just let the men go shopping? I think it's more than that. No, this is much more than that. These are unusual gifts. I don't know if you've ever had an unusual gift. Maybe you can cast your mind back and think of an unusual gift. I think everybody has got their own family story of receiving an unusual gift. Maybe a bit later you can swap your stories over some snacks. In our family, in Rosie's family, uh, one year for Christmas, they received a bag of lovely Brazil nuts. Just a simple bag like this. And they thought, that's a rather sweet gift from some friends. And this lady passed these Brazil nuts to them. And, uh, and the family, uh, Rosie's family, got together. They munched their way through the Brazil nuts. Anybody like Brazil nuts? Any fans? Well, they, they, they munched their way through the Brazil nuts over Christmas, really enjoyed them. And uh, they thanked the lady who gave them after Christmas. And they said, thank you so much. And she said, do you know, I don't like nuts, but I do love the chocolate that surrounds them. You'd guessed it, she carefully sucked the chocolate off every one of these Brazil chocolate-covered Brazil nuts and given the recently cleaned nuts to Rosie's family for a present, and that's what they ate at Christmas. That's rather disgusting. What you might call an unusual gift, is that fair to say? Uh, we're in the gift-giving moment here. Joe. I wonder, anybody not had chocolate-covered Brazil nuts? Tell me you've not got nut allergy. If you've not enjoyed those, Joe, just dish those out to somebody. as a little gift today. Wonderful. Whoa, look at those. Woo. <laughs> Friends, let's get back to the wise men. The wise men's gifts weren't practical, but they were pointers. They were high-value gifts. They were signs as to who Jesus was and to what Jesus would do. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I've given away some bags of chocolate nuts, but sadly, I haven't got any bags of gold to give away. But gold is clearly fit for a king, and it showed that Jesus was coming as king. These wise men could discern and see. Isaiah 7 says this, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's a king for sure. And that's why the wise men bowed down and worshipped him. 
Frankincense we'll look at next week. But today we want to think about that gift, the gift of myrrh. Because it was a sign of what was to come. It's on the right in our picture. Myrrh is an expensive scented resin. The word myrrh comes from an Arabic word for bitter. Myrrh was both an antiseptic and a painkiller. So it was used in those days for healing. When people died, myrrh was often used to prepare their bodies for burial. Now that is a very strange gift to give to a baby. Because it's often associated with times of bitterness. So at the very moment when Mary and Joseph are celebrating new life, this gift is pointing ahead with themes of suffering, sorrow and death. In this first act of the story of Jesus, in these gifts, they act as symbols or signs to point to what Jesus would do with his lifetime. But they only make sense when we understand the whole story of Jesus. Long before Jesus' birth, many things were captured in the Bible and the Old Testament that prophesied or foretold about how Jesus would live, where he would be born and how he would die. I want to look briefly at an Old Testament prophecy from Isaiah. He was a prophet who had a message some 700 years before Jesus actually was born. The message makes sense of this gift of myrrh and it makes sense of why Jesus came. Isaiah chapter 53 speaks of God's suffering servant who would face sorrow, even death, but through it all bring healing. Speaking of Jesus, Isaiah says, surely he took up all of our pain and bore all of our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities and by his wounds we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. So Jesus came as a servant king to bring God's healing and forgiveness into our lives. That's the heart of Christmas. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. You can train lots of animals. Maybe you've got some dogs in the room. Any, any, any pet owners, you've got dogs. You can train your dog, can't you, if you work hard at it. You can even train an elephant. I've seen that happen. You can even train some cats. I managed to in my lifetime to train our cats. But you cannot train sheep. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. That's you, that's me. Sheep are weak and sheep wander off. They don't know the best way to go. Sheep tend to follow the crowd. And if one sheep does dumb sheep stuff, the other sheep do dumb sheep stuff too. <laughs> That's how it works. That's a tongue twister, isn't it? In Turkey, in the year 2005, there were 1,500 dumb sheep who followed each other off a cliff. There's an R in the room. Oh, this is actually a true story. Uh, one of the sheep just thought, oh, I'm going to go for a stroll, had a little walk, and then number sheep two followed along, and number three, and number four. And all of a sudden, just because one sheep decided to go for a walk, nobody stopped. They, all these sheep, one after the other, went off a cliff, 1,500 of them. You'd think at some point, one of the sheep would have gone, hang on a minute, this isn't a great plan. Why am I following the guy in front? But they didn't. The bad news is 400 sheep died. Oh. The good news is it was the first 400. The rest lived because the first 400 made this huge, fluffy sheep pillow, and the rest just went <laughs> boing, and they went bouncing off. So there you go. It's a crazy story, but it's true. 
What's the point of that? Do you know, we all go our own way in life. We follow our path and not God's. When Isaiah calls us sheep, it's not really a compliment because sheep wander off. Where are you going, little sheepy? Oh, I don't know. I'm just looking for something, some happy experience. Oh, I know. I'll get those shiny, nice shoes. I feel so happy. Oh, no, actually, I'm just in debt. (laughs) Oh, I'll, I'll have this experience and I'll be feeling great. Oh, no, that hurt. Oh, that hurt somebody else. What the prophet Isaiah is saying is we need a lot of help because we tend to go away from God's path. We tend to choose our own paths and that's not what God wants for us. Here's what the Bible says. Let's look again. Isaiah 53. We've left God's path to follow our own. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the sins of us all. Now remember, this is 700 years before the birth of Christ. Isaiah prophesied, the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. This is describing a major scene in Jesus' life that came later, the cross of Christ. Jesus knew as God's solution to our problem. So why did the cross happen? Why did Jesus have to die? The cross wasn't just a tragic turn of events. It wasn't just that Jesus was a victim. He voluntarily laid down his life for all of us. Jesus said these words of himself, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. It's a connection back to the Isaiah language. Speaking of himself, Jesus says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus was rejected so that we could be accepted by God. The cross was actually God's plan to rescue the world and to reach out to us. It was God's plan to defeat darkness in all its forms and all its powers forever. We see this vivid description in this passage. The Lord laid on him the sins of us all. What does that actually mean for us? Friends, it means that Jesus covered all the debts. All those things that we needed to be put right or settled. Where we'd wronged others or we'd wronged God. At the cross, Jesus absorbed all of that damage that we've done to others and we've done to ourselves. The pain we've caused and the pain we've carried. All that stuff was like potent darkness that he soaked up in his body and his soul at the cross. It was all laid on him. At the cross, Jesus absorbed into his pure life all of our faults, all of our failures, all of our darkness and all of our pain. Now myrrh, this gift we're looking at, crops up again at the cross. When Jesus was crucified, they offered him wine mixed with some myrrh to take away the pain. But Jesus rejected it because he chose to fully embrace pain so we could receive healing. He took on death so we could know life. He was wounded, but we get restored. He took on bitterness, but we get the sweet experience of God's love in our hearts and in our lives. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and we looked the other way. He was despised, we didn't care, yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Have you ever faced grief or sorrow or pain? Maybe this year. Have you ever been mistreated or rejected? Jesus gets it. Jesus fully understands because he faced it too and because he carried it too for each of us. 
We've been thinking about unusual gifts today. But really, it is Jesus who gives us the most unusual gift. The gift of friendship with God. This is the Christmas story. What God has given us in Jesus is an unusual gift. There's one big difference between Christianity and religion. And it's the difference between two words. Do and done. Do and done. Religion is about what you have to do, what you have to do to get to God. But Christianity is about what God has done to reach us. God did for us what we could never have done for ourselves. Jesus came. He lived the perfect life that we could never live. Jesus died on a cross to pay our debt to God. And he rose to bring us life. All of us, all of us, we're like sheep. We've wandered from God's best. We've gone our own path. And Jesus longs to walk with us through life, to lead us and to guide us. His plans for us are good. And he wants to walk alongside us in both the good times and the bitter seasons of life. Through the Christmas story, Jesus shows God's love to us. He invites us, even today, to trust him and follow him. Jesus brings this gift of friendship with God to every one of us. That's God's unusual gift. The gift we don't deserve and a gift we don't earn. And as we reflect on the Christmas and the gift of Christmas, I'm reminded of the words of a Christmas carol. Maybe you know it. It's uh, in the bleak midwinter. The last verse puts it really nicely. What can I give him? Poor as I am. If I were a shepherd, I'd bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what I can, I give him. I give my heart. Today, as we finish, there's an opportunity to open up our hearts and our lives to Jesus, the good shepherd who laid down his life for us. Because Jesus, in the whole story of his life, embraced death, we can get to experience new life with God. Maybe today you recognize you've wondered. God's invitation is to get back on the path and let him walk with you, let him lead your life. In a moment, I'm just going to say a simple prayer and I'm going to give you the chance to maybe pray for the first time. Maybe you've never prayed. And you can simply echo the words that I'm saying in your own heart. And that's like a conversation between you and God, you reaching out to him. Maybe you've been following Jesus for many years and it's a chance just to thank God again for the gift of life that he made available through the Christmas story. God promises to listen when we turn to him. Before I pray, whatever your story, whatever you've experienced, whatever your background, there is a huge, big invitation from God the Father to put trust in Jesus. The difference between do and done. God is not saying try harder, work harder, do enough and that will accept you. He's saying, listen, it was done. I sent my son so that you could really get it that I've come for you and it's a gift you don't deserve. It's a gift you don't earn, but he extends through the story of Christmas the love of God to the world, but not just to the world. He extends the love of God to you and to me. I'm going to say this prayer simply and slowly, and if you want to echo the words in your heart, you have a moment to do that this Christmas season. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again so I could live for you. Sorry for all the times that I've gone my own way. 
I want to follow your path for my life. Jesus, come into my life and lead me. Fill me with your spirit and with your love. Thank you that you hear my prayer. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.